Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. How do you say amen in sign language? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. The singing back there wasn't too bad either. Good job, Lori. We sang a couple songs that included the line of Jesus' last breath. Jesus' last breath. The book of uh, Mark records, or Luke rather, records Jesus' last breath being, um, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And it says at that time, it got dark as night, even though it was the middle of the day, about noon. And it says that the the veil, the curtain that, that stood between the outer courts of the Holy of Holies was torn in half. And there was this dramatic moment when God was accessible again. And in the darkest moment and the most surrendered moment where Jesus just says, Father, all I have left is you. I commit myself into your hands. And The veil was torn in half. And a doorway, a threshold, where people could once again access God was created. Let's pray and ask that the veil of our own hearts would be ripped open, that that God would be accessible, that there would be a surrendering of our hearts, even if it's a dark moment, yeah? Yeah? Sometimes it's only in the dark moments that we finally come to a place and we say, Lord, I, I, I just need to put myself in your hands. If you've ever had a dark moment like that, you know how horrible and how wonderful that is. That somehow that in our, in our need, if we commit ourselves to God, he receives us. He doesn't reject us because of the cross. So let's pray and ask God to do that in our hearts. Father, we thank you for this great expression this morning in song and in sign and in prayer and exhortation already. God, this incredible, Lord, reality, Lord, that you are not inaccessible, but God, you have torn the veil and that we can come, not on our own merits, not because somehow we knew the passcode, but Lord, Jesus has made a way. And so, Lord, riding on his coattails today, we come. And, Lord, we want to just put ourselves in your hands. We know that's a safe place. We know, God, that is a powerful place because you have the power to save and to transform. Lord, you have the ability to turn our ashes into something beautiful, even a crown. So, God, we just do that. We commit our hearts to you. We pray that as we go through your word, 
Let your word go through us. Do a new work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to read my, our passage, and then I'm going to ask Bippin to come up, and he's going to pray. We'll explain that when it comes. But turn in your Bibles, or look up on the screen, or flip open your phone, or maybe just go into the recesses of your memory, because you've got this down pat. But turn to Mark 16. Mark 16 tells the story of the Sunday morning, after Jesus had been crucified, after he laid in the grave. And then early on the third day, we discover this story. When the Sabbath was over, that was a Saturday, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, they bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away? from the entrance of the tomb. I right, pause a moment. Have you ever had one of these moments where you make a plan, you're all set, you're on your way, maybe you're, you're like I've done this, you come into church and you get about halfway there and you realize, I forgot my keys. How am I gonna get in? These ladies, they were, they were collected their, their, their spices and their oils and they wanted to honor Jesus, the body of Jesus. They wanted to go and pay their respects. They wanted to go worship And they got halfway there and they realized one important detail. It would take about 20 strong men to move that rock. And the three of them were insufficient for the task. And so you could imagine, they're they're grieving, they're distraught, they they went and bought their oils and spices, and they're on their way and all of a sudden they realize, oh no, oh no. We can't get in. Mission thwarted but as they were realizing they couldn't do it they looked up and they saw that the stone which was very large had been rolled away And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. You know that. You saw that. But he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. They're having this experience of grief and disappointment and sorrow, and they're on their way, and they realize, oh no, we can't get in there. But when they arrive, they find that the big heavy stone that would take 20 men to move, and all of the security that the Roman guards tied it down and lashed it and made sure that it couldn't be moved, God had already moved the obstacle. I want us to see here as we start that there are these obstacles in life. There are so many large stones, immovable stones in our life. Metaphorically speaking, maybe you've got actual stones, but I'm just talking big problems, big issues in our life that we can't seem to budge. 
You've even got three of your strongest girlfriends over, and they can't seem to budget either. They come with their spices and their oils. We're like, let's get this thing done. But it's just too big. There's a very powerful picture here that we can all see. You probably see it already. And it's very simple, that if you come to honor the Lord, if you come to bring your spices, to anoint him, to to bring your worship to him, God will do the heavy lifting. God will move the obstacles. It says it all over the Bible. Seek first the kingdom, and what happens? All these other things are taken care of for you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, and what will happen? He will make your paths straight. There is this powerful resurrection reality that if you come in a very simple form, grieved as you might be, forgetful, full of just confusion, you realize halfway here, you're like, oh, God's not going to do it. I can't get this done. That if you come with simple faith, a simple desire to honor the Lord, Not to honor yourself, not to elevate yourself, not just to resolve your issues or use God as kind of a, you know, pay for play type of situation. But you come and you say, I simply want to honor Jesus. God will do the heavy lifting. God will move the stones. Because we see that as a young man, the angel dressed in white, the messenger from God, he says, you saw that he was crucified. You know that he bled and you know that he died. But what you don't know is that he is no longer here. He has risen, he has removed the obstacle, and he is alive. And and that, that's the critical factor. That the one who can move the obstacles is alive. The one that can see you through the dark moments is alive. The one who cares to see you released and free, he's the one who's alive. You see, evil, evil sought its hardest to do its work, to do its worst. But evil did not and never will have the last word. We know that because the grave is open. We know that because the, the, the stone's been rolled away. And there's a lot of evil in our world. There's a lot of evil that surrounds your life there may be a fair amount of evil that comes from your own heart but the scripture makes it clear as we see the power of God that evil will not and never has had the final word because not only is sin defeated not only are the Pharisees and the Romans defeated but death itself was defeated some of you know this morning a horrible incident in Sri Lanka occurred the churches were blown up And our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering. And it feels like a great evil has happened. That people come to worship on an Easter morning. And they end up experiencing bloodshed and and death and horror. My friend Bippin is from that region of the world. He went home today and changed his shirt. So that he could stand in solidarity with our brothers around the world. And Bippin, I want to invite you to come and to pray to pray for those hurting, to pray for our hearts. You got one? We're okay. 
um, when I read the news this morning, it uh, um, touched me quite a bit because uh, um, Easter, uh, I remember being about, about Armand's age and uh, um, Easter uh, in some of the traditional churches that I grew up in, uh, which were some of these churches as well, uh, was, was a great time uh, for somebody uh, at, uh, at Armand's age because you would be giving, given Easter readings to do. And uh, I remember being uh, 11 or 12 and uh, being just super excited about the, the scripture that I was going to read that day. And uh, I just think of all the families that looked like us, that had uh, our kids with us, that were um, gathered together to celebrate the resurrection of, um, of, 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 of Jesus um, and the, the, the grief and uh, just the... Um, the, the despair that, uh, that, that now thousands of people are, are experiencing uh, through, through the loss of life. Uh, it's, it's never a good day to die, and um, it, um, um, it, it feels especially poignant today. Um, Satan roared, and Satan uh, is frustrated, and Satan is angry. Um, what uh, our brothers and sisters were experiencing uh, and what they were gathered with today uh, was a preview of, uh, of what is to come. So uh, I'm just going to have Arman read a couple of verses, and uh, then I'm just going to pray. This is uh, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Um, could I just inconvenience us a little bit by asking us to stand as we lift up our brothers and sisters? Dear Jesus, we um, just stand before you in grief today, lifting up our brothers and our sisters, little children, um, old grandmas and grandpas that um, um, were gathered in your name and um, um, were lost to us and to their families. Lord, we... Um, Proclaim your resurrection. Amen. We proclaim that, that sin did not win. But Lord, we also just proclaim, Lord, just the, the, the grief and the sadness and uh, just the days to come of, uh, of, of, of this event living on in, in, in the memories of, of, uh, of the families that were affected. Help them, Lord. Bless them. Lord, we just pray Help that them. your spirit, Lord, would, would bring healing, yes. that your spirit would bring comfort. Yes. Lord, there, is, there, there are few words that we can say that, uh, um, that, that, that will bring about um, any change that, that we sometimes uh, think. But Lord, right now in, in just faith, and with our hearts and with our spirits, we stand with our brothers and sisters, not just in Sri Lanka, but around the world. Lord, we proclaim together that, Lord, you are king. There is no one like you. Amen. And, Lord, in you we have hope and victory, and that death will not be the end of us. We praise you, Lord, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
it's good to walk in solidarity with those around the world who profess Christ, amen? Sometimes it's easy just to live with kind of blinders on with our own situation, maybe our own problems or our own um, culture. But God's big God, and he, 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 he loves the people of the world from every tribe and every nation. Thank you, Armand, for reading that so well. We get a glimpse of God's heart as he loves us all. And so remember to pray, maybe when you sit down for Easter dinner or tonight as you go to bed or just call people together and hold hands and, and pray for our brothers and sisters. Pray also for the persecutors because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not about bringing the guilty to justice, though we don't disagree with that. It's about principalities and powers and heavenly places and the evil work that the devil would have multiplied on the earth. But Jesus brought a better way of grace and of love and of forgiveness. And so we pray not only for our brothers and sisters, but for those who have persecuted them and those who persecute us. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. I want to give you just a couple examples and things quickly now of barriers in our life that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has broken through. Are you ready for those? I'm going to give you three quick ones. The first one is this. The power of sin is broken. The power of sin is broken. Sin is such a barrier. It is such a barrier. Because what sin does is it tarnishes the image of God in us. And instead of living with great dignity and living with great purpose and and, and, an honorable life and, and a heart that's fully alive, sin comes and it tarnishes that. And it throws a big, wet, messy blanket over our soul. And it dampens us and it defeats us. And that somehow sin so tarnishes the image of God, we live with with this residue of shame over our lives. It's like Adam and Eve who were made in the beauty and the the dignity and the honor of God and the image of God. And when sin came, they hid. They hid themselves and they were afraid. Why? Because they were ashamed. And you, maybe you, others around you, the world, we live with this residue of shame knowing that we're not what we should be, what we could be, what God made us to be. And the power of Jesus risen from the grave restores us that we're not only made in the image of God, but as we turn to Christ, we're reborn, remade into the image of Christ. And the shame is gone. And what used to be that which would insult us or hold us down or humiliate us emerges as a great testimony where Paul says, yes, I'm weak and yes, I sinned, but in the grace of God, I've been remade. And it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And that grace was not without effect. That grace has changed me. You know, Jesus kept telling his disciples as he approached the cross, Three times the gospels tell us that he told them that the Son of Man would go to Jerusalem. He would be betrayed, and there he would be crucified. And three days later, he would rise. Three times he told them that. Repetition, my mother told me, is the mother of learning. That's why she keeps lecturing me the things I need to know. Clean your room, brush your teeth. What is that on your face? Repetition over and over and over again. Even the prophets of old in the Old Testament prophesied and spoke of a day when the perfect lamb, when the sacrifice for sin would be made. And Jesus, after being risen from the dead, Luke reminds us in Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples again with the scars on his hand and the hole in his side. 
and resurrection life on his face and in his eyes. He said, he told them, this is what was written. The Messiah, the Savior, our Deliverer, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning right here in Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. You've seen it. And I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Folks, listen. The power of sin is tremendous. The grip of shame and defeat crushes our inner world. But the power of the open grave and the resurrected Christ is that we are no longer held guilty of sin because Christ has died on our behalf. And not only has he died on our behalf, but in rising again, he vindicated his words. He says, not only am I going to die for sin, I am going to rise up over sin. Sin will not only be paid for, but it'll be defeated. Sin couldn't hold them down. Death couldn't hold them down. The power of God rose into life. Listen, we live in these, this shade, this fog of sin. And the open grave and the power of the cross is that we no longer have to live in the shadow of shame and condemnation. For those who are in Christ are no longer condemned. For the blood of Jesus washes over us and the power of the resurrected king lives within us. Have courage, church. Have courage, courage man or woman. That Jesus has defeated sin. I know the power, the power of forgiveness is so great. My mind goes back to a time back when we were doing youth group where this young, young man who had lived a pretty rough life, even as 18 years, he had started coming to the youth group because it was just kind of a strange group. He'd never experienced anything like that. A friend had invited him and he came and he liked it. And after like the third or fourth time, and he had heard about the power of God to forgive sins, that Jesus died for him too. Finally, one night, after we were singing a song, we got done singing the song, and he says, I want my sins forgiven, like just like in the group. And so he says, God will do that if you turn to him. And he says, I'm turning to him. I want Jesus. And we prayed for him. He, it was so amazing, because it was like he was wearing a lead jacket, and he had he just taken off this lead jacket. And he became so light and so excited, he didn't know how to express himself. Because he was living under the slow burn of his sin and condemnation. And he had no way to fix it. But suddenly he found that Jesus, the power of the resurrection, could deliver him from sin. So he started running around and literally like high speed walking, hugging everybody. I love you. I don't know you, but I love you. I love you. And he was running. And he just started hugging everyone. He could not express fully the joy of having his sins forgiven. Maybe you've forgotten the joy of your salvation. Maybe that's faded into the, the routine of your life and it's just become mixed in with a lot of your own struggles or challenges. Let me encourage you today that the resurrection of Christ not only proclaims the forgiveness of sin, but vindicates that what Jesus said is true and that power is real. Do you feel the power of sin in your life? Do you? It's okay. Everyone does. It's not okay, but it's, it's a reality. Don't hide that because it's not hidden. 
Jesus can set you free today from that power of sin. He can remove your shame. He can remove the embarrassment. He can cause you to stop making the excuses. And you can simply have right relationship, right standing with God. And if someone comes back and reminds you and accuses you of your sin or that you've done wrong, you can all you have to say is that's true, but Jesus has forgiven me. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that grace is not without effect because I'm being changed to be more like Jesus day by day. Would you like to pray that prayer with me? It's a good prayer for people already following Jesus. It's a wonderful prayer for people not yet following Jesus. It's a prayer that everyone should make. And it's a powerful prayer because God will hear your prayer. He'll forgive you of your sin. And you'll find new, fresh life in Christ. Pray with me if that's your heart. Lord, thank you for these words that you died for sinners. But having died for sinners, Lord, you can find us forgiven. You will forgive our offenses, our selfishness, our foolishness, our intentional and willful disobedience. Lord, I pray for those in this room that are now turning to you, turning away from their willful disobedience, turning away from their selfishness and saying they want, Lord God, for you to touch them and forgive them. Lord, we see the nail-pierced hands and we, we read about your death for our forgiveness and we see the empty grave and the story of this angel saying that you've risen. God, I pray that you would cause our hearts to rise afresh in us, that we'd be reborn into Christ in your image. And that, God, you would just unload the burden of sin off of our shoulders. And that, God, we might live forgiven, redeemed lives. I pray for those doubting that's possible because they've prayed it before and they've fallen back in sin. I pray, God, doubting that's possible because they're not even sure, Lord, where you are or who you are. I pray that the power of the risen Christ today, God, would deliver us from those doubts and from those cynicisms. And, God, you would do a fresh work in us, even now the joy of our salvation, God, would resurface in great force. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first barrier is the power of sin. The second barrier is this, confusion and disappointment. The power of Jesus to remove the barrier of confusion and disappointment. This is a big one. Because when we get confused or we get disoriented, our hearts, they just kind of dial it down. The scripture says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Anyone ever just had a sick heart? You're just like, whatever. And you kind of just punt. You give up. You just say, well, I guess God's really not going to do anything great or powerful in my life. I guess I got excited for a little while, but nothing's come of it. It's a familiar story. We see it here in the scriptures. I'll read a a short passage to you from Luke 24. I'm going to jump a little bit, but you can follow the story. It's these two guys that were hoping that Jesus was the Messiah. They're beginning to put their trust in him, and then suddenly they see him crucified. And so they're walking home down this road, the Emmaus Road, and they're dejected and they're discouraged they got their shoulders slumped, and they're kind of walking down. They're probably kicking the dirt, walking a little bit slower than everyone else. Truly just confused 
and discouraged and disappointed. The disappointments in life can just steal the the joy and the, the life that our heart is supposed to be living, alive. And they're real. So as they were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking to each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, get this, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. So they're walking down the road, dejected, and, uh, whatever. This and, and then Jesus comes and walks. He's like, hey, can I walk next to you? It's like, it's a free road. Why not? I don't care. It doesn't matter anymore. And this dialogue begins with Jesus and these guys, like, what's up? What happened, you know? Why are you guys acting like this? And their response was found in verse 21. It says, but we had hoped that Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had put a lot of stock in Jesus. We had really put our hope in God that he was going to do something great. And guess what? He didn't. It's not what we expected. It's not what we were hoping for. I mean, I took three days off of work to go down to Jerusalem and can't get them back. I told all my friends that, you know what? I think Jesus is the guy. I mean, I'm gonna really, we're really believing God's gonna do something. Long-awaited deliverer is coming. I think it's this Jesus. I gotta go back and face them. They're gonna, it's embarrassing. And I guess worse than that, I feel like I've been living at half speed and suddenly God was going to lift me into living at full speed into the fullness of what God wanted me to live for with purpose, with passion, with mission. I felt like God was going to finally break through in my life. But all I can picture is him up on that cross bleeding and dying and committing his spirit to God. And Jesus walked alongside those guys, grumbling and complaining, discouraged and disappointed with all their questions and demands and judgments about what God can and can't do, how he's got to do it. I mean, I just, I just, (laughs) you just wonder, what was Jesus thinking as he's listening to these guys? Whine and complain. I was going to use a different phrase I can't use in church. But that's what it is. We begin to feel sorry for ourselves and justify our disappointments and our discouragement and our heart sinks and our heart dies because God didn't do what we wanted him to do. Like he's a genie in a bottle or somehow he's like on our leash. So Jesus listens for a little while and then he speaks up and he says this. Maybe he's saying this to you. Verse 25, how foolish you are. Man, if Jesus told me that, it would hurt my feelings. I, can, I'm, I know you think I'm kind of a big, tough guy, but I'm sensitive. <laughs> how foolish you are. I'm glad the Bible doesn't just say, duh. How foolish you are, he says, and how slow to believe. Wow. Foolish and slow to believe. I wish I were wise and quick to believe, don't you? 
Wouldn't it be great if you were wise and quick to believe? That you could see what God was doing and it didn't seem right, but God would show you, like, yeah, I'm still in. I'm good. Let's go. My heart's alive. My heart is risen. My heart is resurrected. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Let's go. I think too many of us are just simply foolish and slow to believe. And it leaves us in this discouraged, dejected situation. How foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. There's an exclamation mark behind that in my Bible. So I don't know if he got up in their face and was like, hey, you're foolish and slow to believe. Then he begins to explain, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And suddenly, these discouraged, dejected people, they stepped out of their tiny own little disappointed world, and they began to see, because Jesus explained to them the whole picture and story of God's redemptive work over the centuries. He says, hey, back up. Take a bigger view. It's not what you think today, but you know what? God has a purpose. God has a plan. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't be foolish and slow to believe. See what God is doing. And then it says they got excited about that and they, their faith started to rise and their hearts started to get encouraged again. Their hearts started to come back alive, right? All the other discouragement, all the reasons and, 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 and self-pity, all those kind of things started to just fade away and suddenly because they heard the word of God and it was explained to them and they could see their life in a bigger picture, it wasn't about them, it was about what God was doing. Suddenly, their heart began to rise again and, and they said, stay with us. And they didn't know who it was Jesus yet. And Jesus says, well, I got to keep going. No, stay just a little bit longer. Boy, that's the good prayer. Hey, tell Jesus, Jesus, would you just walk with me a little bit longer? Jesus, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm not quite there. Would you just please, you don't even know it's him yet. But there's something tugging at your heart that wants more. And you're saying, you know what, just a little bit more. Would you please stay with me? And sure enough, he did, and they sat down to eat, and he broke bread, right? And they're like, oh, my, oh, oh, this is Jesus. All the while, we just thought someone was talking to us, but in fact, God was speaking to my heart. I didn't even know it was the Lord. It just felt yucky, and then it started to feel better, and behold, it was Jesus himself who was working on my heart. And it says, and then they disappeared, Zoop. But they were left sitting there with their jaws open and their eyes wide. And says, we were discouraged. And then in verse 32, it says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? What a beautiful resurrection from discouragement and disappointment and kind of, huffing and puffing at God because he didn't do it the way you thought he was going to do it. So suddenly their hearts are on fire again. So suddenly hope is rising again. And now, now this, this idea of loving God with all their heart, they can do. Because you know what? When you're trapped under the power of sin, you can't love God with all your heart. When you're living in self-pity or disappointment or just confusion, 
You can't love God with all your heart. But when you begin to walk alongside the resurrected Christ and begin to open your heart, humble yourself, God births new life into you. He will restore you. He will bring back encouragement. He will bring back life that is truly life. Maybe you're like my friend in youth group who never experienced life that was truly life. He just thought all life had to offer was struggle and condemnation and shame and just do your best with that. But God has something better for us. Doesn't he not? God has something far more victorious than that. And he wants it for you. He wants it for you. I'll give you the last one. It's time to go. But the barrier of our weakness. I read the scripture earlier where Jesus is talking to them and says, you'll be witnesses to these things, to the resurrection power. For I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. I believe many of us have a barrier in our life for moving forward with God. Why? Because we just feel we're too weak. We just feel we can't do it. Maybe you've tried, maybe you've made efforts, maybe you watch other people fail. Maybe you've watched people who were much stronger than you in faith and they were like, they were great, and suddenly they just self-destruct. There's a lot of reasons we punt on these things and I just believe that our weaknesses, if you accept them as weaknesses, are barriers to moving forward in God. But this is what Jesus says. You wait for me and I will help you. I will give you power. I will draw you. So much so that Paul even said, I used to be embarrassed about my weaknesses, but I found that when I am weak, God comes alongside of me and makes me strong. <laughs> I, I, I never imagined that at my weakest moment, God would make me the strongest I've ever been. That in that place of just, just feeling like I don't have it in me, that if I open my heart to God, God will come in and give me, lend me his strength and that he will help me, bring me into something new. The question is, do you want God to bring you into something new? And are you confessing that your weakness or your inability to get something right that you think has to be right to God is a barrier for you moving forward in Christ? And I want to tell you today from the scriptures that your sin, your confusion and disappointment, and even your own weakness are three obstacles that God will remove from you just as he removed that very large, heavy stone. But you come to him with your offering. Just a little bit of spice, just a little bit of oil, and a desire in your heart to say, God, I somehow, I want to honor you. It doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't even mean sinlessness. God will take care of those things. He'll, he'll wrap you up in his grace. and He'll cause you to live and desire and, and function and more of him. That's the issue down the road. The issue today is, are you carrying in your heart a desire to honor him? But as you're bringing that to him, do the barriers of sin, or discouragement, or weakness make you think you need to just turn around and go home? Well, if our story's true, and I believe it is, 
I'm so glad those ladies did not turn around and go home. Because you know there was about 15 minutes. It was a seven, it was a long walk. You know it was a long walk. They probably spent about 15 minutes debating, should we just go home? We got the oil, but we can't get in there. What are we going to do? Pour it over the rock? Stand outside, just look at the stone? Stare at the, our, our impassibility? But they persevered. They pressed on. And God met them with resurrection power. And the stone was blown up. And there was this young man being like, yeah, he ain't here. Take a look. And suddenly their hearts began to rise. And they again could love the Lord their God with all of their heart. Stand with me. Let's pray. Maybe about halfway through this sermon, you thought it's turning around and going home. But you're glad you persevered because I got to the point that God wants to remove your barriers. The veil has been torn open. He wants you to walk inside, find forgiveness, find new encouragement in the Lord, find help in the midst of your weakness, find this sweet fellowship of God in the place where you're weakest. He does not reject you. He does not condemn you. He does not shame you. He just calls you out. He calls you towards himself. And when you're walking with the risen Lord, your heart will light up again and all things are possible. If you want to turn to him today, I encourage you to do that. If you need to say to the Lord, forgive me, I I need to come back to you, please do that. If you need to lay your discouragements on the side of the road, Leave your confusion, your foolishness. I pray you do that. If you want to come weak and feeble, but with a little bit of oil wanting to honor and worship God, he will not turn you away. So Jesus, we come to you today. Obstacles present. Trusting that you will remove them. Let the power of the risen Christ, O God, do a new work in us. Save us, Lord. Forgive us, God. Deliver us, Lord. Keep us, O God. Strengthen our feeble legs, feeble minds. And God, I pray, Lord, bring resurrection life to us today. We need you, God, and we bless you. Amen. Amen.